podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's been more than a year since the pandemic turned healthcare upside down. I'm Jody Lesh. Join me for Ahead in Health, where we explore the questions that matter most about the future of healthcare. Listen to Ahead in Health wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> the LFC day trippers and this is the midweek fix I'm your host Keith Plunka and uh, tonight I'm joined by Chris Brack, Johnny Lawson and Mick Morning from the Copway podcast. Mick how are you? Yeah I'm good mate yeah. Good stuff good stuff excellent excellent the other two are quite regular so we won't even do introductions for them. Um, <laughs> it's international week midweek fix you know, we're going to look at some of the international football that was played. We're going to look at some of the Liverpool performers on the international break. Um, how the, how we all feel about the players going away with their countries, if there's any negative impacts around COVID and things like that. And also look at FSG possibly looking to make a power, power play themselves between the red ball deal with Billy Bean and the talk of the, Project, um, what's it called? Project Big Picture. Big Picture. Big Picture. I couldn't remember the Project Big Picture, which apparently FSG were at the forefront of. So we'll talk about those um, things in depth. And we'll also touch on the Harry Wilson situation uh, about an exit coming up for him. So uh, I'll come to you for Shawnee. International duty. We'll start off. Seems as though you're wearing a Republic of Ireland jersey. We've no players in this particular fight, but another bad night for the Irish tonight, wasn't it? Yeah, just it's weird. Like the last three games have been, the results have been what we've kind of come accustomed to as Irish football fans. But I think there is positives to take from it because you can see what he's trying to do, Stephen Kenny. Look, I don't, I'm not expecting, I think people are mad expecting us to start knocking the ball around and play this free-flowing football all of a sudden. I think there needs to be some sort of um, grassroots injection into Irish football at the moment and start this from the bottom. And to be fair, um, Stephen Kenny had, has us playing the way he had that 21s team playing. And there is some good talent coming through. We just need a goal scorer. And uh, we would have been grand if we had a natural goal scorer like, like a Robbie Keane. We would have been looking at a playoff final, and we probably would have we, we would have been looking at results against Wales and against Finland. There, like the football has just been there, but just haven't got the goal scorer. And, and there's rumours that Patrick Bamford wants to line out for Ireland. And to be honest with you, I think it's someone like him is exactly what we need because we just need we need goal scorers. That's what we need. I know Troy Parrott's coming through and stuff like that, Aaron Connolly and Adam Eda, but we were just. They're not there yet. And it's going to take time, you know what I mean? But you need to dig in and stay. You need to be realistic. And uh, Kenny needs time. There's no point people crying about this this type of football that Oil need to pay. Stephen Kenny's going to need time, you know what I mean? Like, it's as simple as that. This isn't a, a quick fix. Exactly. It's, it's a... You know, you touched on something there, Sean, that people think because you can play expansive football you'll uh, get immediate results and it doesn't work that way but it is good to see them trying you know and I think it took 
other managers a long time to get wins on the board till they could get settled. And, you know, someone like Patrick Bamford up front, as you touched on there, Conley and Ede, two young players, you need that senior striker, don't you, to take on the mantle. David McGoldrick does a lot of good work for Ireland, but he's just yeah. not prolific enough, you know. It's unfortunate. Someone yeah. actually mentioned to me that he'd be a good backup signer for Liverpool. We can discuss that one. Yeah, because... McGoldrick is one of them. Like he's brilliant on the ball and he's great off the ball as well. But yeah. he's like Lego. He fucking goes to bits in the box. You know what I mean? He, yeah. he, he when he gets into the box, it just it, I don't know. It just it's it's all his foot. It's like he drinks the space jam, space jam juice. You just play him on the perimeter, like a basketball player, like a point guard. Just leave him on the outside sort of thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Um. Yeah, we just it's not happening. It's. It's just not happening for him, like, and we were unlucky where Ada and Connolly were obviously COVID uh, victims, so to speak, in the Slovakia game. Look, it's going to take time. It, it's it's really not a quick fix for Ireland at the moment. It, it's shocking. It, it's shocking. We, we've been manhandled as a footballing organisation for the best part of 15 years, and it's going to be a massive clean-up job. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I know a lot of the, the guys here probably aren't know, as aware of the state of Irish um, football. As Shawnee said at the top, the mismanagement from the very top since probably was Soy Pan, really, when John Delaney first came on the scene. I know he wasn't the, the main man at that stage, but that's when he first appeared. It's been terrible and they've been run, you know, ridiculously bad. So it's, you know, another goalless performance but there is uh, signs there the things to come David Lennon's thrown in international football needs to be parked and you know I'm not a fan of it at all I think it's brutal but we we'll, we just have to talk about something tonight and it's going to be international football well come on to you Mick England late brutal tonight weren't he honestly I, I don't even watch England anymore like yeah. it's I've, just, I've been reading a few tweets just before and it's just like People saying it's the worst performance they've ever put in. Like Harry Maguire gets sent off. Like I'm more interested in watching the likes of like Portugal. Like Yotas scored two and got, yeah. got an assist. Nethel Williams got an assist for Wales. I focus on anything but England, really. Like I honestly, yeah. I, I couldn't care less. I also wanted there's not. I think Henderson came off the last ten minutes. He did. Which probably, it's probably maybe good for him. It's getting a bit of a bit of game time in his legs. But apart from that. Every time they go away to England, I'm worried. I feel the fear the worst that they're going to come back injured. So, honestly, I'd, I'd happily scrap all internationals. It doesn't it doesn't bother me at all. I'm going to be honest, Mick. You've ruined me whole program there by being a scouser who doesn't watch <laughs> England. Surprise, surprise. But now, in all seriousness, I was the exact same. I was looking at the team sheet and I was looking at Roy, who's there. They're playing a lot of defensive players, a lot of defensive mids. Hendo's not in. Gomez isn't in. Trent isn't in. I watched it. Good. Uh, I think England will suffer from the very same thing that Manchester United will for as long as Solskjaer is in charge. Solskjaer is not a good enough manager. He, no. He's riding the he's riding the coattails of a, a World Cup semi final run where England basically played nobody. If I'm being honest, they played Sweden, they played Colombia to end up in a World Cup semi final. And um, I think it's the best batch of England players has been for a long, long time. Yeah. But you look at us. You look at the way he lined up tonight. He two hauling midfielders at home to Denmark, and then you like, oh, I'm I'm starting to feel a bit sorry for him at the moment because Harry Maguire seems to be in like the sunken place at the moment regarding his his career yeah. or what's going on on and off the pitch. It's just not going well for him, and it, like it's times like this where 
he'll need a leader that some just take him out for a while, just give him a rest because he looks completely lost at sea. He was like a competition winner tonight for England, and I don't laugh at I don't laugh at players like that in that position because we had that with Liverpool for years and years. But he looks like he's drowning. He yeah. badly needs saving. I mean, a bad player is a bad player, but a player who's, you know, Harry Maguire is not a, a bad player, but he is going through a bleeding awful period. And as you said, he doesn't have the guidance at club or international level. Um, it's it's a weird one to see. But Chris, what did you make? Did you watch any of the England game tonight? Did you feel there was any positives to take from it? Uh, uh, it was only 1-0. It's a positive. <laughs> They kept themselves in the game. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not the most fun. It wasn't the most fun game to watch. Um, I half flicked it on. The, re- the the problem he's got is he doesn't trust probably any of his defence or his goalie. That's why you play a back three. Most clubs play a back three because they don't trust the defenders. And the problem they've got is they've got good defenders, but you've got Maguire is horrifically out of form. Gomez. You know, it's lucky to get called up for England because he's out of form at the moment. He's not a bad player, but he's out of form. And then you look at the rest of them, you're going, you know, Cody actually and M- M- Mings played the best out of the two that came on. But the problem with Cody and Mings is they've only got like five caps between them. So then, yeah. if you want to throw in two very inex- experienced Premier League players, but not experienced international players, and Kyle Walker, you just don't know which Kyle Walker set up. You know, sometimes he can be really good for England and then he'll have a brain fart. Uh, I mean, the first goal, the goal, it's a soft penalty, uh, but it's all caused by the goalie running out for absolutely no reason. I don't know where he's going. And it creates panic, uh, which is why then he's playing two defensive midfielders. Because I think he wants to play back four, probably Henderson and Rice or somewhere. Then he wants to play four of his four of his really expansive players. He wants to play like a Sterling, a Sancho, a Rashford behind a Kane. That's what he wants to do. But every time he's played the back four, it's just, brutal to watch and you're just thinking big, big teams will pick him off and I think that's why he's, he's positioning his back three so he's probably thinking if he goes to a tournament if he gets at the group stage he's going to have to play a back three because if he plays anything like a, a France or a Germany he's not going to touch the ball so we, they need the back three and we've got the one thing England are blessed with is we've got about eight right backs so he's trying to find a way of getting as many right backs as he can into the side yeah but um, at the end of the day I was, I was quite pleased in terms of that Trent played one game, Gomez played one game, Henson played 60 minutes and 15. So that was good for Henson because he got the minutes to his legs. And in terms of Trent and Gomez, it just keeps them sharp. But, you know, they're not, they've not been uh, overplayed, which has been the problem with previous England managers, Roy Hodgson. They, those guys would have played all three games, been knackered then for, the, for club football. So in fairness to Southgate, he has been quite good at uh, spreading the minutes out ac- across all the, all the players. So no one's really been like absolutely run ragged. Yeah, which is it is a good, it is a positive thing because it was a worry in international break coming at this stage of the season, and some teams playing three internationals in the week like seemed a bit mad. But yeah, fingers crossed, we haven't heard of any um, injuries or anything from any of our lads, have we? So um, I want to come on to a few of the the performers as Mick touched on earlier. Yota got two lovely goals and an assist tonight. Uh, good performance from him uh, taking on Mick will come back to you on it, it uh, he played well didn't he I've seen a comment saying it was a pity there was no no crowd there because he would have got a standing ovation when he got substituted he, he looked to be very lively 
Yeah, and I think it's with with what with Ronaldo getting COVID. I think that gave him because I think he started on the bench last game. I think if I'm not mistaken, so he started tonight. Obviously, I think he's on the right hand side where I think usually where Ronaldo plays, and he said got got an assist, got two goals, and especially the second one. Well, actually both of them. You can see that type of play happening for him in in, in a Liverpool shirt. Like the first one's a, a great ball, to be fair, by Cancelo, and he's got on the end of it, and you can see that exact. That exact transition happening in the Liverpool shirt with Trent providing the ball and him scoring. And the second one's another little great three ball on the left and he's cut inside and then smashed it bottom corner. And it's like it is promising to see that because we've seen him against Villa and I think we were all hyping him up a bit too much. I was anyway. I was I was I think hoping he was gonna be save our skin, especially with no Mane and no Thiago in there. And I, and I think a lot of pressure was on his shoulders in that game. And I think he done alright. And I think but I think there's there's a lot more to come from him. We've signed Definitely wisely getting him in. He's only like, he's 23, 24, is he? So his time's on the side. And I think in terms of tactics-wise, you can see from just from those two goals tonight for Portugal, that he's going to have an absolute field day in this in the Liverpool team when we start getting, getting through the gears again and start banging a few goals and hopefully starting on Saturday. Yeah, very much. I mean, I think it's... Um, uh, I agree with you. Some people may be over over egging the Yota performance so far, but he does offer something with the speed and the pressing that maybe I took for granted and didn't realise he had in his locker. Sean, he'll come to you. Is there a worry with this whole Ronaldo um, COVID scare that in a week's time Yota could find himself with testing positive? Or are the t- is the testing so good that if they're happy that Ronaldo... Like that he doesn't have it now after being tested that he won't get it or what do you think is that a fear that in a week we could lose players because of this break absolutely um, it, it, like don't know look, we were talking about this last week and I, the incubation period can be anywhere between 4 to 14 days so we won't know like the effects of this international break until maybe a week or two down the line but look this is just this is reality at the moment unfortunately like it's it's baffling to think that these games went ahead to be honest with you because it just doesn't make any sense like it's just going to be further disruption down the line I look one or two weeks and then I think there's, there's friendlies again in November isn't there there's internationals again in November isn't there so like it's to be honest with you it's if I can be frank with you it's a fucking disaster waiting to happen if I'm, if I'm being deadly honest with you like it just it doesn't make sense doesn't make sense at all to be having these friendlies looking you can do, like you normally you have the, the the bit in the back of your head where you're always checking scores on international games to see if your players are coming off injured and making sure that everyone comes back healthy and not burned out but now we have the the extra worry of are they going to come back infected with a fucking virus and we're going to end up held up again two weeks ten days similar to Mane and and um and Thiago, it's just it's a ball like a completely unnecessary ball like at this stage of the early stages of the season. So yeah, look, it's definitely a worry. Um, obviously, Yota was tested prior to Ronaldo testing positive and was negative, thankfully. So let's just hope it stays that way. 
Yeah, true. Chris, um, one, we're moving away from the COVID bit there, but something that uh, Mick touched on was the fact that Ronaldo wasn't playing and maybe gave a bit of freedom to the likes of uh, Yota to perform there tonight. Do you think he, without seeing the game, probably, like, do you think he flourished because Ronaldo wasn't there, because that big figure wasn't there, other players got a chance to step up? We've seen it at Liverpool before with Gerrard when he wouldn't play certain players, probably feel a bit more freedom. Do you think it benefited Jota tonight being able to do that and and taking the mantle on? Yeah, I think it probably does. I think you tend to see what happens with players once they're uh, the big man's out. I mean, the best example for us was probably two years ago when we sold Coutinho. We didn't buy a replacement, which we were all a bit concerned about. And in fairness to him, Chamberlain really went up a level or two. And Chamberlain, before he, got, he tore his knee, was doing the uh, the crucial goal routine in, in midfield and that's what he wanted so I think Jota's the same thing I think some players they flourish they're going you don't need Ronaldo you've got me I think some footballers are built that way um, it can go the other way because there are some players who without the main man um, shrink under the pressure don't like it he doesn't seem that type of player he seems a type of player that actually likes to take responsibility and I think that's a sort of character that Klopp looks for so I mean it's okay. he's coming to Liverpool so he knew he had a battle in his hands to get games with the front three we've got so He's probably got that little bit of swagger and arrogance in him that he thinks, yeah. you know, I'm better than Manny or I'm better than Salah, and I think you need yeah. that. I think you think you need that little bit of arrogance when they when they put me in. Good luck to Manny and Salah because they're not getting back in ahead of me. So you know, I think for someone like him, it's good for him. I think that's possibly something Minamino is not quite got in his game yet. He still looks a little bit like he's finding his feet and possibly hasn't quite took his chance yet. I mean, look, he's only been here six months, so you know, everyone's different. Okay. It's mad though, isn't it? Like with them signings, they can go one way or another. Like some players shrink under yeah. under the pressure, and then others grow into the role and really become the player that they're supposed to be. And I think from the interviews and what we heard about Jota when he signed for Liverpool, you kind of had a feeling that Klopp and Edwards and Linders knew exactly the type of character that he was, that he was going to flourish, and Nuno had really nothing but good things to say about about him when he was leaving. So. Look, it's obviously great to see him kicking on. He gets his debut goal against Arsenal. And, and then I thought, the result being an absolute disaster, I thought Jota looked promising at Villa. I think he had some real moments of real quality. And then you see tonight what he can bring. And it's a perfect example there, what Chris made with Coutinho, because Chamberlain did step up big time. And yeah, Jota, look, it's exciting. Like, if, if you were to turn around and say, look, you're probably going to leave one of the front three out and jot the starts on Saturday. You'll be way more peaceful in the mind now that there's a player of absolute quality going into the lineup. So, yeah, it's exciting for us. And with Champions League being back next week, like we're going to see loads. We're going to see these lads getting loads of minutes, fucking provide that they don't have this fucking virus. Yeah, it's true, you know, and. The thing with Yotte as well, he does have the characteristics of the other players in the front three, doesn't he? Like he's very quick and he's good at pressing and he's direct. Whereas if you're thrown in a, in a Rigi or a Shakiri, you weren't you weren't getting the same. You, your whole front line was changing, wasn't it? Your game plan was nearly altered by bringing those lads in. Um, Mick, I'll come to you. Another good performer that we you touched on there was uh, Nico Williams. Got an assist again for Wales tonight, and he looks to be he looks to be doing well there on the international scene, doesn't he? Maybe a break from the pressures of playing for Liverpool is doing him good as well. Definitely, and I think especially he got loads of abuse, didn't he, recently on 
yeah. social media where he ended up blacking out his account and it's, it's stuff like that where you better put into perspective how young he is. What is he? 18, 19 years of old. Yeah. He's an absolute... He's a kid and he's got loads of time and he's got loads to learn. So that was a bit of a... I didn't expect that something like that to happen so early on in his career. I mean, he's he showed what he's all about in, in the game in the short time he's been in in, the, in and around the first team. Like he's he's not scared to get on the ball to make things happen, whip and cross into the box. It's just his all round play that defensively that he needs to work on. But it's the exact same boat as Trent was in when he came through in the team. Any left winger would come up come up against Trent, and they and they just keep passing to the left winger and just basically telling him go on take Trent on. And if we start blooding Necho Williams into the team more often, that's we're going to have to accept that that's going to probably happen more often than not. And he's going to have probably more bad days than he'll have good days in, in, in the in the infancy of his career. And that's just bound to happen, especially when you're playing for the best team in the world. Like people are going to teams are going to come and try and um, try and try and exploit our weaknesses. And if if that's the case, if say for example, trends out with an injury, we have to put him in there. Then we'll have to. That's what I mean. We'd have to just adapt and, 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 and move with the flow. But in, in the, the bits I've seen, I, I've, I think it's really promising. I mean, it did surprise me that we um, we saw Keanu Hoover because I thought maybe he was, in my mind, I thought he was slightly ahead of Williams in terms of overall technical ability and um, a bit more solid as an overall as an overall player. But obviously, they've decided that Neha Williams is the way to go as the, with the to progress the team and for me that he's, he's going to be quality like it's just he's working under the best manager in the world he's, he's working alongside Trent who for me is now one of the one of the best young right backs in the world so it, we've got I don't think we've got much to worry about there I, th- I mean he's, he, there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders but like you said he's, he's gone away to Wales it's a nice little break from maybe mentally getting some assists in there getting some legs in the mitt getting some minutes in the legs and Proving that he can do it on that stage, and if he can do it on that stage, he's 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 making a statement that he can come and do it for Liverpool as and when required. But for me, I've got no qualms about if we if we have to throw him in. It's the exact same as what we've done with Trent and what we've, we're going to have to do with Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott. It's these types of moments where we're going to have to just say, well, I have to take the rough with the smooth and and to, to aid their overall progression. You have to you have to go through these types of moments. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Very true. Very true. Um, Chris, something there we've met, we've touched on about the, uh, you know, the pressures of playing. Maybe not the pressure of playing for Liverpool, but the, you know, he was getting a lot of stick and he was. You know, he blacked out the Twitter and all that sort of thing. Do you think going away with Wales and the fact that, no disrespect to Wales or any Welsh fans listening, but that the the level and standard of maybe the Wales team, he feels maybe a bit more, not senior, because he's been around the fourth team at Liverpool for a while, but he's getting games at Wales and he probably feels a bit more confident in that setup than maybe at Liverpool, maybe he's still a bit awestruck or am I reading too much into that, do you think? Uh, possibly, yeah. I mean, the the big thing that helped Nico Williams was the Arsenal game um, because he had a really good game against Arsenal. I know we got knocked out, but he played really well against them. 
So I think that helped. I think that's helped him more than uh, the than the Welsh game. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, he, he's done well in certain games. He's he's been targeted in others, as Mick said. You know, it's going to happen. It's natural. It'll always be the case. Shawnee, do you, um, would you be worried if on Saturday morning we saw the team and Nico Williams was in there? As Klopp has tended to deal with the derby game, he's thrown a few uh, googlies in. No, I, I wouldn't be worried. He's a kid. He's up. He's capable. Like you know, the Merseyside derby is a big game. He'd be worried if any of the first eleven went in the squad. Yeah. Um, I think that people, the problem, the problem with football these days is Keith is people make these assumptions on players from day one, and then they feel like they need to maintain that opinion of that said player for years and years to come. Like, it's it's not... Like, you can't be rational when you kind of come to these things. Like, oh, there's Nico Williams. Oh, he does some things really well. Or uh, maybe he gets exposed defensively sometimes. All right, well, that's it. He's fucking shy. Like, he's 19 years of age. He's still learning his trade. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Trent is 21, 22. He's still very young in terms of being a Premier League fullback. Now, I know he has all the experience. You could rate him as one of the highest-rated right-backs in the world, but he's still learning this game. I'm not going to turn around and say he's poor defensively. He's still learning the game. There's not a 22-year-old right-back in world football that knows everything about the game that needs to be known. There's not a 19-year-old in world football who can't improve. This is the thing. People need to realise that you don't have to nail your colours to the mass with the opinions on these players, like because... The chances are they will improve and you will end up looking like a fucking Egypt eventually. Case in point, Jordan Henderson. Everyone battered Jordan Henderson and slated Jordan Henderson for years. But that's it. They maintain that opinion. Whereas if you look now, you just show how important he is of, of a cog, not only to Liverpool, but to his national team. So these players will improve. Look, you need to just trust the judgment of Jurgen Klopp here on this one. And if the fact that Ryan Giggs players, Nico Williams, in the Wales team that are very progressive, and then it tells you all you need to know. He's a good player and he will improve and he's good enough to be a right back at Liverpool because Jürgen Klopp says so. Because if he wasn't, we would have signed one in the window. It's as simple as that. You, know, you look at Larucci on the other hand. People wanted him in. He obviously wasn't up for it. So you got Simicast. This is the way it goes. If these players aren't good enough, they're either replaced or sold. It's as simple as that. Exactly. And as Super Tiger saying, like every fullback gets skinned. I mean, we all remember Trent getting roasted by um Rashford, wasn't it? Rashford. And Old Trafford uh Lukaku click on and that. And it happens and there was a, a couple of games that Trent got targeted on in those. And you know, any manager worth the salt will see a young fullback in there as a weak link and will target them. Look, even the likes of People yeah, yeah. turn around and, and point the finger at Joe Gomez for not being a top class centre back. Like, there's not a 23 year old top class centre back in world football. Like, he, yeah, he's learning his trade. That's like just because we're winning trophies and at the top, it doesn't mean these lads aren't learning as they go along. He's learning his trade. Like, you know, Klopp made the point about Bruce that's saying if Bruce was 25, he'd have no problem keeping him around the squad. Yeah. You learn, this is where you learn the most about being a footballer at this level is at those ages. So you learn from your mistakes. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, people are mad. They just want, they want perfection yesterday. That's the way they want it. They want, they want it immediately, if not sooner. 
yeah people are too impatient and they don't give them time and social media i suppose doesn't help with the all the critics that are out there and um, another player that's done well on international duty for us is bobby who went um finished with liverpool before the break maybe getting a lot of criticism and you know a lot of stick for his performances but mick he's um in he got two for brazil during night and i know he assisted one last night as well or this morning whenever that one was on not a bad little um little haul for bobby on international duty but do you think he will with the fact that he's going to be back late from um brazil and the early kickoff do you think he may miss out on saturday do you think with the fact he's only back i think on friday Will Klopp sit in for this now that maybe he has got a jot that he could put in there? Uh, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't start for me, you know, to be honest. Um, especially, I mean, I don't know if, I mean, Mane and um, Thiago are back in training. We haven't got Alisson, so we're already missing one main component of our very specific starting 11. So we're missing the keeper. So I, I don't imagine he's going to leave Bobby out. I mean, like you said, he's going to come back late, but I still imagine he'll want to start him. And maybe get a foothold in the game if we if we manage to grab a couple of goals. Hopefully, then you might see a change where we might bring a Yachter on or a Minamino on or something like that. But it's yeah, it's same as Neville Williams really. Like it's nice, it's probably nice for Bobby to get away and do do some business for for his country and try and get his confidence up because I think I've seen a load of load of shit on Twitter in the last week. Jordan international breaks the worst. Like opposition fans are chatting absolute shite about Firmino not scoring goals. I know we all want him to score more goals, but if you can't see the what what he get, brings to this team, then you're an absolute idiot. And I mean, it, it's people that only watch match of the day, and it, you've got to watch full ninety minutes of games to appreciate what Bobby Firmino does. It's the same as Jordan Henderson, really, and um, he'll never get the credit that he deserves in terms of that. I mean, he's not been, he's not been at his best. I mean, no, he's, he's been been yeah. shy. If I'm being honest, I think. Yeah, the last couple of games, even as like I said, I was going to say that his passing's not even been great. Like he usually get picks it up, doesn't he? Like just in front of the, maybe just just in the opposition half, and he, he'll make something happen, like a, a little nice turn and a little crisp pass into the wings or whatever. That's even been missing, which is isn't like him. And I mean, he scored one for against Bolivia, I think, where he's picked it up in front of basically his own penalty box, played it out, and he's he's run eighty yards down the other end and scored. And that's what we want to see from Firmino. I mean, he's. He goes where he wants, and that's that's where Klopp. That's what Klopp wants him to do. So that's that's what he does. He's he's basically got a free roll. He can go where he likes, where he sees fit, picks up pockets of space, and makes things happen. And like you said, Sean, he's not been great the last couple of games. Or, or he looks for nice, to be fair. Like like we talked about now for the last two summers of the the three lads up front, born and out, and thankfully it hasn't really happened. But Bobby looks knackered. Like he's looked tired and slow and look a dip in form is is it's normal in football these things happen he's been really poor like you said Mick like I wouldn't be going mad if Bobby's not scoring goals but what annoys me is when he's sloppy in possession and he's not even pressing and and holding the ball the way he uses it and, and that's where we find him the most useful is link up play knitting the play between the midfield and the forwards but he hasn't done that this year for us unfortunately Um. Look, a drop off is to be expected. Like he probably needs a rest, but it's good to see him going to Brazil and having a bit of spark and that energy and the goals as well. Like they weren't just he was sniffing around the box. It was yeah. it was vintage Bobby. So hopefully, um 
he's back to his best now after the break because look, firing Bobby. If when Bobby is firing, Liverpool are firing. It's as simple as that. Yeah, it really is that simple, isn't it? Um, a lot of people think he's easily replaced, and I don't. I think he's he's a key man, and uh, Bobby on form and Liverpool are pouring because everyone else fades off and and benefits. I had uh, Owen Bokes comment up there a minute ago saying about Robbo that he wasn't playing, and he got about five hundred responses in there. Yeah, he was suspended. The He's doing well for Scotland. Scotland are flying in their group at the moment, and he, he done well. Got a nice little yellow the other night to miss out on the second second game. So top work there by uh, Andy Robbo on international duty. But a comment there from Super Tiger: Richarlison also played for Brazil. Uh, James played for Colombia. Mina was rested with Toy Hamstring. So that's three of their players coming back late. And that is true. You know, it's not just ourselves that'll have that problem. Everton will um, be without, not without, sorry, they'll be, they'll have players coming back late because I think they all come back on a chart or playing together, don't they? So, you know, if, if we have Bobby missed, but they're going to have a couple of key men now. It's the COVID test because uh, yeah. they'll probably all get back till Friday. They'll have a COVID test Friday. They won't get the results till Saturday morning. Nah, yeah, I so think got they've some... got our results now with for the for even, them boys. Even the, the echo, uh, athletic report said it'll be, it could be Saturday morning for you know definitely if they've all got negatives. That's Liverpool and Everton, so there is always that doubt. Well, I suppose the, it it's going to be the same for both teams, really, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Put it this way, I think if if Bobby, Richarlison, and Hamez all come back on the same plane and they all test their uh, positive for COVID or, or have to be have to miss the game for whatever reason we're probably better place to cover that than what Everton will be which is you know which is good to have but as Barry Devaney said there you know Coleman, Allen and Richarlison are all fit for Everton so full squad a lot's being made about Adrian um, in goal for us and look we don't need to speak too much about him he, he hasn't been great and he's, he, he breeds sort of panic into air defence and the team but Pickford isn't much better for Everton. And Shawnee, is it something that you think, you know, are we over, are we worrying too much about our sort of weaknesses and ignoring Everton's weaknesses in the sense that they've had a good start, but there's been a lot of errors in that Everton team as well. And they've just been not lucky, but they've, you know, their wins have papered over a lot of their, their poor play, whereas with Liverpool or with Man U or with Man City, Chelsea, the big teams, it's not a dig at Everton, they're only a little team. Any errors sort of get swept under the carpet nearly with them and it's just all positive, positive. But do you think there's, there's cracks, as many cracks in them than there is in us? Yeah, sure. You only have to look at the narratives between Liverpool last year and Everton this year. Um, we went on that run at the start of the season and Everyone was going on about how poor defensively that we were. Uh, this was last year. This is last year when Adrian uh, when Adrian played the first eight games. Everyone was going on about how Liverpool were leaky and how we wouldn't do the 97 points again. And the biggest advocate for that was Jamie Carragher. And he still seems to be the biggest doubter of the whole lot of them, to be honest with you. Because he seems to me like he took a little bit of a... Uh, a bit, of, a bit of pride in that performance at Villa. It seemed like he enjoyed it. I don't know what it was about, but it, it just did. He annoyed me to no end that night. Look, everything are far from far, but who have they played? Yeah, they beat uh, a sports side who, who basically, you don't know what you're going to get. Complete mixed bag with them. They struggled at home to West Brom with 10 men. 
initially, and then they beat Brighton, and then I don't, who, who was the last game? Palace. Uh, who did they? Palace. Palace. Yeah. Palace, 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 yeah, they've not they've they've not played anyone in their in their um, ballpark. And being honest with you, I understand the narratives around Liverpool at the moment because Adrian had a chance to just <laughs> had a chance to just be without pressure, and then he did what he did against Villa. So obviously they're gonna turn up the heat on him. You know, on Saturday morning when they're doing the build up to the game. It's going to be all about him and it's going to be all about Liverpool's high line and all this and all that. There won't be a word said about Jordan Pickford and his recent form for England and everything. So, look, I think I think this, this all of that is well beneath this Liverpool team, if we're honest. They will show up on, on Saturday and they need to put a performance in because I hate watching Liverpool at Goodison Park and Old Trafford. I always have for as long as I can remember. But even more so on the club because he seems to show them way too much respect in these games. Because I think that a type of, I think it's the two games where he says, Do you know what? I absolutely don't want to lose these games. So I'll take a draw. And I don't think it's the right approach as good as we are. I don't think everything are as good as they are, as good as everyone say they are. And I don't think we're anywhere near as bad as people say we are. So look, if we show up on Saturday, we'll do them. I've no, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, Chris, it's it's um it is a, a bit of a role reversal at the moment going into this game. You know, as as Sean said there, that there's a, a certain narrative that, you know, Everton are doing brilliant and punching well above their way. But could that go against them? You know, could that be something that really catches them out? That they'll go in maybe overconfident into this game and it it's the best way for us to get them. Yeah, I think that's the biggest challenge Ancelotti's got is changing that mindset in the club. Because I think last time I thought I saw Everton being probably clear favourites was the FA Cup semi-final when we had Brad Jones in goal. I remember going to that, and that was like you were worried going Everton going to do was it? We've got Brad Jones in goal. He died the wrong way, you know. So that's what they've got to fix. That's what the that's the thing Everton got to fix is can you handle it when you are expected to, as Charles? I think there's quite a few people expecting Everton to win. So it's how they react to it. I mean, I'm confident we'll we'll get a positive result of the game. Hopefully, win. But I think it, even a, a draw early in the season, it's not the end of the world. The other draws that Goodison have always been near the end of the season, and to be honest, they've been a bit more. You could have done with the wins. Uh, but Klopp still has the record at Liverpool of he's never lost uh, two league games in a row. He still hasn't done it, and that's nearly five years now. The club he's not done it, and as much as his record is not fantastic at Goodison. Um, he still hasn't lost a derby yet. He, you know, he knows how he knows how to get results in derbies. And the one thing about that I think will help us is this is for the one time you're glad there's no crowd at Goodison because can you imagine what that crowd would be like every yeah. time he got near the ball? It'd be raucous and it would because you know we've done it to Pickford because we know he gets fired up too much. You know, he, he is becoming like a parody of Joe Hart. He's too busy getting fired up that he forgets to concentrate. Uh, and Anfield crowds have done it to joke to pick for quite a few times and got themselves to force a mistake. Um, good crowd would have done that to Adrian. I think it, the crowd would have got to him. So actually, I think an empty stadium could actually play to his hands. This is probably the one time Everton probably could have done with the crowd in. I think that's probably what they're doing. It's going to be interesting. Like James Rodriguez has showed up to the Premier League and made, look, made a look like a cakewalk. We'll see on Saturday when he's getting pressed with the demon and he has to do a bit of walk. This. 
the cream rises to the top. If James Rodriguez is as good as he said he was, he'd be still in Madrid at Bayern Munich. That's why he's not at the level. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why he's doing a job now for them at the moment. We'll see on Saturday if they they will have to outwork us, and I highly doubt they will. Yeah, true. Mick, um, what's the feeling like on the ground over there? Because as Sean, he said, the, the Goodison game is always one that Klopp gives too much respect to, which is sort of unlike the Anfield there because he tends to take the piss of it in that one. Um, he doesn't, you know, rate Everton when we played him on Anfield, but at Goodison, he goes ultra conservative or overthinks it. Is, is the thinking on the, on the street over there that the Everton fans have the tails are up and they really think they can do something here? Or are they, are they, are they sceptical? Are they weary of a backlash? Well, I spoke to Dan from the Wombats uh, yesterday and he's he's not a bit of blue or anything. He's level-headed and he knows that we're favourites. And it, 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 it makes me laugh. Like, we've won our, three, our first three games. We've lost our last one horrendously, fair enough. But and like Sean said, Everton have won all four, but who have they really played? Like they conceded two to Brighton. They could have conceded the low more Pickford is an absolute shambles. There's a lot of it like Sean said, if we outwork them, and especially with Mane and, and, and Thiago in the team and and Henderson back in the team as well, you think it'll be normality resumes. Like the way the way it's just the way the media like to that like like to paint it like I've ever another flying and we're not and it's like well we're three points behind them because we lost our last game and it's like they try and paint it as though we're in some absolute turmoil which which isn't the case at all we're just missing some key players and we had a horrendously off day I don't I don't think um, I don't think most Everton fans will be expecting anything I'm not expecting a great game I mean I always try and think it's oh it'll be a great game especially with both teams in form but. Yeah, it'll probably be ends up being a nil nil or a one one to be honest. Because like like Sean said, the clock goes to when he goes to the, the likes of Goodison Park. He tries to he, he doesn't quite um, go through with the the, the tactics that he, he would employ a, 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 in a home game, which is a bit disappointing. But I hope Saturday is the time that he does do that. And I think what might go in our favour is the last game. It's getting getting humbled seven two to Villa a Villa Park, the worst defeat in fifty seven years. If there's any ch- if there's any opportunity or glimmer at hope, the clock will just be like fuck the fuck the usual um, tactics. I employ away grounds, tough away grounds. But let's just go for it and let's just try and batter them. And I, and I hope that's that's going to be the case because I mean it's, it's I hope it's going to be a good game because like I said, I always build it up in my head and I think everyone does the same. Don't they? Like Sean said, going to Goodison Park and going to Old Trafford, place like that. It's always been. You don't enjoy it, so I hope this this time's going to be one of them times where the club goes fuck it, and then we end up scoring three or four past them. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he does uh, take that approach. Uh, Kevin Sullivan throws in there. You'd wonder if Klopp would play Milner in this just to piss all over James Rodriguez. It's probably a counterproductive move, is it? It's worrying about worrying about James. I mean, if I was to go to Ichi is now and. Pick maybe um, your starting eleven for the derby. We won't spend too much time, more time on this. But Shawnee, what would you, what do you think the lineup will be? If from front to back, yeah, go from yeah. I'd Why not? say he'll go Adrian, Robbo, Virgil, Matip, Trent, Hendo, Genie, Ma, uh, Thiago, and. I think it'll it'll be the front three as normal. I think that's what he'll go with. Um, I don't know what the story is with these coronavirus tests, but look, 
I'm I'm assuming that Fabinho and Bobby are there for selection. Uh, I'd still go with that midfield three because I think energy and is is what's going to dominate in the midfield there because he's at the point two yard dogs in there with Hamas um, this year. So he's the core and he has Alan. Who I know there's a possible doubt over, but I'd go with them. That's that's the midfield three I'd go with. Um, Hendo, Thiago, and Genie. Just energy, and then obviously Thiago gives you that bit of quality in possession, and me, me gives you like sets it up to dominate that game, possession wise, and take take the heat off. I think he will start Matip though. I think he will go on Matip, especially the light against the likes of a Richardson and a Calvert Lewin, whereas they're sort of the battles that Matip relishes. So um, yeah, I'll see him going with that. If you were to take Bobby out and probably throw Yota in. You wouldn't have any quarrels about that. So, yeah, I think that's where he'll go with. I think that's how we'll line out. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Yeah. Mick, what about yourself? Do you agree with Sean? Or can you see any other changes in there? No, I imagine it'll be exact exactly as Sean said. The only thing I'd say maybe is if if he doesn't feel Matip's completely fit, maybe he'll throw Fabinho back there. But I can't see Gomez. Gomez just needs to maybe get up out of the team for a couple of weeks because I feel like he was he had an absolute shit show, didn't he? To be honest, he was just he, he just couldn't he just couldn't get himself back to his normal self, and he's he is a bit out of form. So I think we maybe need to give him a rest. Yeah, I think Fabinho. Maybe centre back, but if, if it's Matt and Van Dyke, that's perfect because Calvert Lewin thrives off those little flick ons and having balls into chest. And if he's coming up against Matip, six five and Van Dyke six four, both beasts in the air. He's he's gonna he's not gonna be relishing. I don't care how, how much he's in form, scoring six and four, he won't he won't relish coming up against those two. I mean Matip's not maybe not fully fit. I mean he's been training, but if Klopp selects him, then. That's definitely the best two to go for. And in, in, in regards to the rest of the team, definitely, like Sean said, that midfield will be perfect. That energy on both sides, Thiago just pulling the strings, and then the front three is normal. Yeah, happy days. It'd be it'd be exciting to see. Um, and what about yourself, Chris? Can you see any changes there, or are you agreeing with the lads? Uh, I agree with the midfield. Someone else than Thiago. I think he will play for being at centre back because. I'm assuming Matip's not going to be quite ready. Uh, I think his front three will be Salah, Mane, and Jota. I think he'll bench um, Firmino. Interesting. But as Sean, you said, it probably wouldn't be as um, catastrophic, you know, of a reaction if no. it happens. So, yeah, it'll be interesting now to see if the, it plays out that way. But maybe, you know, it's, it's one Goodison derby that might surprise us. It might be a decent game, but, you know, I don't expect but, it myself. We're talking about lineups there, Keith. I've I, 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 I seen that stat today that Mane, Salah and Firmino have never started a, a, yeah. a derby in the Premier League together. Did we not, so, not, not start the Origi derby? No, sure, no, he didn't play. Salah didn't play. Oh, I thought he did. I thought he started, but he came. No, Salah didn't play. Salah wasn't fit for that game. Well, it, yeah, it's a mad start, isn't it? It's one we'll be checking when we go back. Like, did he play this? Did he play that? No, but it, and and there's like, the possibility that he won't start again then on Saturday yeah. as well. Like, crazy. Mm. Look, Klopp, 
it's mad. He shows them too much respect at Goodison and then he brings them to Liverpool and he puts the lads out and then he, he puts a complete mixed bag of shite out and yeah. back. It's like, it's mental with them. Um, it's, it's absolutely mental, the respect he has for everything at Goodison. You just probably think, I know or an interesting thing uh, he said was in during that interview is that when he when he got when Klopp goes out onto a pitch, he forgets about everything on the outside wall for, for two hours in the game. And he said that the last one at Goodison was the only time in his career. It was a first game back after COVID where his head wasn't in it. He said, look, he just wasn't there that day. He was worried about what was going on too much about in the outside wall. So, look, I just love to see us going for it here because I, I, I hate, like I said, I hate watching these games. They're absolutely horrible to watch. Absolutely hard. I've seen too many of a nil all or the scrappy one nil towards in the air. I'd like to see like a comprehensive Liverpool performance because it'll go a long way to shunting the people in the media up as well. Yeah, as St- Stefan says, they're five two to the champs. Let's get on it. It's it's an optimistic shout, but sure we'll see what happens. Um but before we finish up, I want to quickly get his our opinions, if you have any opinions, on the news that's been coming out about FSG lately between the red ball Billy Bean sort of um, investment into FSG and the the I keep forgetting the name what's called Project what well, Project Big Picture um, that Liverpool and FSG were at the forefront of. Shawnee, again, I'll start with you on this. Does it make you think? A lot of people thought FSG were maybe looking to sell up and might look to get out of of Dodge nearly, you know, at the, in the Premier League. Does this make you think they are a bit more in for the long term? You know, I know with the the, the red ball uh, investment, there's talks of buying up a lot of smaller clubs around Europe to park players off and to to, to get young talent. So that's the way City do it. Um, and then with the, the big picture thing, it looks like they're probably making a statement that, look, we're here for the change the way we're operating nearly and we're in it for the long haul and maybe changing that business approach. Can you see that being something they'll do? Um, I think the the project big picture is, I, I read about it today, I had a good look at it. Um, it's Rick Party's baby. It's not, it's, he's using United and Liverpool to push it through because he knows the power that they have in terms of how big they are to the Premier League as a product itself and how marketable the Premier League is around the world because of clubs like Liverpool and Manchester United. If I'm being honest, it's a complete opportunistic cash grab power play by the powers that be because I think they're starting to see what's coming over the hill here in terms of a, a European Super League and they know Liverpool and United, among other big clubs in England, have the Premier League over a barrel now in terms of money because they can literally demand whatever they want because they are the money, they are the breadwinners for, for English football. And if they were to desert the Premier League for a European Super League, that'd be a, that'd be put a massive dent in in um in the Premier League product, so to speak. Because look, we only spoke about it the other night on a podcast. Who's gonna pay fifteen quid to watch Bournemouth on a Newcastle? On a, on a Super Sunday, so how are Sky going to tell Super Sundays without Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs, United? They won't be able to. 
So I think it's some sort of like damage limitation by the Premier League to kind of get a structure in place so when this European Super League does come around that they're able to retain the likes of Liverpool and United and hold them there. Now, there's some of what I do agree with and there's most of what I don't agree with. I don't think six clubs should rule the roost of a 20 in the Premier League. I don't think that democracy should be broken up at all. Um, but I think this is going to go ahead. The real reason why I think it's going to go ahead is because the EFL are in desperate, desperate need of a cash injection and it doesn't look like there's any sort of government bailout coming along any point soon. So they might have no choice but to bite the bullet and push it through. So um, it's probably, I hate to sound like yada, so to speak, but this would be the first nail in the in the coffin of football for me if this was to go ahead. I know it benefits Liverpool financially going forward and it's beneficial to us. But I think as a whole for the English game, grassroots, it's just not good. Um, and it's just the beginning of the end, really, in my opinion. Very, uh, very pessimistic about it there, Shani, but fair play. Mick, we were talking beforehand and you were telling us you've read up a lot about this and uh, it's your <laughs> favourite subject at the moment. Um, but no, Shani was dead right what he said there and there's, there's some really good points in this and you can see why the EFL are all over this. You know, there's a, what's it, 250 million package, is it, Shani, that's going to the EFL. Yeah. There's, um, there's, looking at scrapping parachute payments and things like that. They're trying to say they're trying to reconnect the EFL championship with the Premier League, but it's the the power all down to them top six teams, isn't it? That's, that's the real crux of the whole thing. That's, they're never going to agree to that. Yeah, I mean, Sean, just summarised nicely, nicely there for me because I haven't read that much about it. I mean, you just picked me up there. like, But I, <laughs> I know pretty much not. I mean, the only, the only bit I know is that they recently on they get four percent now and it's gonna go up yeah. to like twenty five percent, isn't it? So it's it Which is quite big, you know, it's huge, isn't yeah, it's it? It's a like, huge it's a huge chunk. But the whole dropping from the iconic twenty teams to, to eighteen, I am not sure how I feel about that. I mean, it's if if it is Rick Parry's baby, like Sean said, and he's using the like the, the bigger clubs to try and push this through and try and bend them to as well, then it it, it isn't it isn't on really. And I mean it's yeah. Stuff like the Premier League, and like you can't you can't start messing about with like changing it round. I mean, they, they've tried to do it in the past with other things and trying to change formats of different competitions. And if it works, it works. But the Premier League in its current format, it works. And I mean, like Sean said, like the EFL, they're gonna I think they're gonna drop the Community Shield and the EFL Cup. Is it if if it, if it ends up going through? Which we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be bothered about, really. We, we would happily drop those two now, to be honest. I mean, it's only a, it's only a little byproduct of of winning something nowadays. Um, but I'd have to do some more reading up on it. But I don't know, I don't know too much about it. But for me, dropping from the, the usual twenty to eighteen doesn't, and using trying to use the bigger teams to to try and drive the narrative is doesn't doesn't sound great. Yeah, I was only stitching you up there, Nick. Go ahead, Johnny. What nobody else has picked up on either in either the media as well, which is like this is all to counteract the sports washing going on in sports across the board at the yeah. moment. Because I think um there was I was reading up that being sports the sports group being sports group were looking to put together the European Super League to completely cut your wife out of the picture 
in terms of European football. So apparently this was massively got to deal with the the outcome with Man City as well because UEFA nil and class not nil. If City got nailed, it would literally be a red flag for the likes of City to say, Do you know what, well, we won't play in your competition anymore. We'll go and play in Qatar or in Dubai against Juventus every other week. Look, you have to look at every single sport. You look at the F1, uh, Yaz Marina, Yaz Island is the home of F1 now. You look at boxing, uh, Anthony Joshua's had big fights in Qatar and in, in Dubai. Where else Where else can you go? Right? You look at the World Cup, for example, it's complete. And the UFC, Foy Island, like it's small portion across the board by these Middle Eastern states. And this is them trying to get that clause into the game for the very same reason they weren't allowed to take over to Newcastle because they see that this is all on the horizon for sports at the moment, that these are actually using sports as a toy, basically. And they don't want that to happen anymore. So I can see where it's being listed as like a defence mechanism. But it, it, there's no... There's no way out of it, unfortunately. It's always going to come down to money, and money is always going to win in the end. Very true, very true. Chris, I'll come to you. Um, it is going to come down to money. It is going to be the, the overriding factor in this. But if you look at some of the other points that are coming from it, and I know Mick isn't keen on reducing the league from 20 to 18, which is fair enough. It is. Um it did used to be 22, though, didn't it? It did, yeah. At the start, it used to be 22. And so, the, the, scrapping the EF, the, the Carling Cup as well, and the Charity Shield is two of the proposals in it. Do you think that's down to, you know, fixtures? There's too many games and protecting players, or is it down to more opportunities for bigger tours and things like that in the preseason and more lucrative? Uh, pre-seasons is the, are you sceptical about it as some people or do you think it's for the best to reduce the games uh, I think it's both uh, I think it can be both which is every year we talk about how mad are the fixtures you know we had Liverpool last year playing two games in 24 hours in two different continents we've had Tottenham so far this year I know it's COVID but they've managed to organise it where they play League Cup Tuesday Europa League Thursday Man United away on uh, Man United win Saturday. You know why? Why? Why on earth would you plan it that way? No logical person sits and looks at the fixtures and plans it that way. But we do, and they do it every year. Every year, Klopp moans about it, and every year Mourinho moans about it, and every year Arsenal moans about it, and they've been moaning about how the fixtures have been run for ten, fifteen years, and nothing changes. So, the uh, part of things did did the likes of Rick Harris, baby, FSG, and United went. This is an opportunity where we can say we want more power. We know it won't go through because you have 14, 14 teams to agree to it and 14 Premier teams are never going to agree to it. But now because it's out there, they've all done the big outrage thing and saying this is horrendous, which is quite a bit hypocritical. But then they're all going, but they've heard all the points now that United and Liverpool agreed to with Rick Parry. So now they've got an itemised list of what, what they would like. And they compromise now going, well, we'll give two, we won't give 25%, but we're going to give 15% to this. We won't, give, we won't we'll keep the League Cup, but we won't put European teams in it. And there'll be a compromise where the big teams, like the Liverpool, will go, well, great, now I can have a, bit, a longer pre-season, which is more money, more time for players to settle, so we don't have the disaster we have now. And then everybody else has slightly more fixed 
uh, better fixtures. Uh, because basically, the Premier League and the FA were a bit more organised. Clubs like Liverpool United wouldn't try this. But what people don't remember, I did some reading about it earlier, I think when the Premier League was initially created, the initial talks the Premier League happened in 1990, and the uh, TV companies went to the big five then, which was United, Arsenal, Liverpool, Everton. And said, what do you think about this big, this idea of the Premier League, this big new, this big new league, which we all love now, but now it's all the big six, the dirty bastards, and, you know, going behind our yeah. backs, going, but they went behind your backs 20, 25 years ago. Um, and it's a little bit of, it doesn't suit you. I mean, I quite like the fact that apparently, you know, Everton are very upset over it, but Everton are actually going to be the biggest benefits of it because they were going to be one of the big six that get it. Yeah. So I'm a bit like, I think it's, uh, those things that I like, I mean, I like the playoff idea for relegation because they do that in Germany. And to be honest, it's quite, it's quite exciting, especially when you get like third bottom against the, the playoff winner. It's, um, it's probably one of the more, more exciting games in German football. So I quite, I quite like that. I like the idea of money going down the pyramids. Now, ultimately, League One, League Two, they're all going to agree to whatever after this. Because if, if you're in Tranmere, you're, oh, sorry, Tranmere, but if you're League Two side, who realistically, you're never going to get to the Premier League. You can have aspirations, but really, you never get to it. So they're probably going, I don't care who's, who runs the Premier League. I'm getting an extra twi- yeah, an extra million pound a year to help keep my club close. I'll, I'll, I'll agree to anything. I think they will. There will only be you know, clubs in the Premier League and top-end championship clubs that will get a real B in the bonnet. League One, League Two clubs. I, you know, why would you, why would you care if you get like you know a guaranteed eight percent of the money is going to go to all clubs to improve the stadiums? You know, for some clubs, you know, they can never afford to do that. So they have a, a little a guaranteed pot to get under sort of heat, you know, you know, refurb the, the stand. They're going to where they're doing it. I think that the, the um, exactly. big six they, more they power will never, will never come off. They wouldn't have to rely on a blade and look at a draw or FA Cup fourth round tie to, mm. to for a cash injection, you know what I mean? Like you see how big those games are for those clubs. Like if if there was some sort of blanket in place to make sure that every club was financially healthy in that aspect. But then the other side of it is how many of these clubs have competent enough owners to deal with that type of money? Because yeah. We've seen along the way, like there's been some absolute shit shows with owners and clubs. Barry, for example, Bolton, for example, what happened with Wigan was like an absolute like how people weren't locked up for what happened yeah. that week. It's fucking mental. It's, like, it, it's indicate better on Wigan yeah. administration and then put them into administration. Like it was absolutely like criminal. And don't even get enough um, exposure that story. Like that's not You're even. When you're divvying out this cash, you need to make sure that the due diligence is done and that these people are capable of handling this cash because it's a big, big responsibility at the end of the day. Problem yeah, is though, the people true. who check it. The problem is the people who check though if these are uh, due diligence is the FA and the Premier League, and we've seen the crap at stuff like this. You know, you've seen the amount of horrendous owners that are in there. So that's never going to change. So again, you can see why the big six will go, well, we want more power, because look what you lot can't do. I don't agree with it. I don't think the big six should have all-seeing power of how football should be run. Uh, and I think they realistically needed to never get it. I think it was just to get, I think it's put, I think it's put a bit of fear into the, the authorities. That we can just piss off you. Uh, what they, this they will do is, yeah, what, what this will do is, like Chris said, this has them at the table now. So there's negotiations here 
being made and there's there's compromises being had. This will go through in some way or another. It, it will. Like there's there's no way that it won't because at the end of the day, the breadwinners in the Premier League are the ones that are going to be making decisions. And I know people said the top six and seven clubs for the last 40 years in England haven't really changed all that much. Like if I'm being honest, it's always been the usual suspects. Oh, I think it's going to go ahead because at the end of the day, if they don't, it's sink or swim, really. It's shit I got off the path for the Premier League. They have to do something because the Super League is looming in the background. It's as simple yeah. as that. The other thing, I think Neil Axon made a good point about this, is what we've got to cross out of football at some point, and this is probably where the reset needs to be done, is no one wants to get relegated. No one does. But for you can see it in the Premier League, but more Championship to League One, the thought of getting relegated is like it's like bankruptcy numbers. This is like we're never ever going to come up, we're never going to recover, and we should not be at a stage where getting relegated means you go absolutely bankrupt. And we've seen clubs do it. We, you know, we've seen Portsmouth. You know, they were Premier League to League, to League One now, aren't they? They've, they've never recovered from it. You know, there was fears West Ham they went down. There was fears West Ham they went down would never come back because financially the 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 you know the build up to the eyeballs. So again, the, I like the idea of them being spread out a bit more evenly to the lower league. So if you do get related, yes, it's not great, but you're not relying on parachute payments. You can still cut your cloth accordingly and still be competitive without having to like shed you know sixty percent of your squad and more importantly shed loads of your staff because that's all that happens when these clubs get relegated. It's always the tea lady. It's always the, the guy in turnstiles. They always jobs. It always happens because clubs can't afford to run them because they're ran in such a way that we're fine as long as we stay in the Premier League. And I think, to be honest, if clubs aren't as scared financially of relegation, you might see less of this alehouse, 20 men behind, everyone behind the ball. Let's let's not just let's hope we get a point because we can't afford to get relegated. Now, people will be a bit more, perhaps be a little bit more brave to go, ask you. We can have a go at bigger clubs because if you do get relegated, we're financially sound anyway. So let's be a bit more expand, let's be a bit more brave. You know. Which is what Norwich did. Norwich tried to do it, it didn't work. But Norwich aren't sat there now pining over what's gonna happen. Norwich are now one of the favourites to go back up because they've because they're very well run. But not every club is like that. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Stoke, for example, Stoke, the the TV, big TV deal came in a few years ago and you had Stoke bringing in Shakiri, Bojan, um, Afaloy, you know, Champions League winning players that they were able to bring in because they had a lot of money, but they didn't. They didn't run the club too well and then went down and nearly dropped again into League One. You know, clubs have to be able to look after themselves. There has to be a bit of self-sustainability and giving them money, giving somebody a a gambler a load of money isn't the best way to do it. But it will be interesting to see if anything can come of that because as you have all touched on, the first move is being made. You know, it was never going to be passed on the first go. But if you have 70-odd uh, Football League champion, championship teams that will see a benefit to this, that will be backing it. So Rick Parry has his gang backing this to the hilt. If you've got nine in the Premier League that are going to back it, which I know they all rejected it tonight, but realistically, West Ham, Everton, Southampton will be all over this if they know they're in this sort of top table. And then you'll have the big six. There's not going to be many teams really that are opposing it. And it's going to be all those shy bags that hang around in the mid table, you know, that get comfortable in 10th, 12th, 14th. If you reduce the Premier League to 18 teams, 
you've got 18 and 17 relegated and 16 goes into it, the playoff with the championship team, you know, it makes it a bit more interesting. So I'll be interested to see what way it plays out. You know, it's going to be a long time, I think, before anything really comes of it. This was the first roll of the dice and it, it's not going to die away. It's it's not going to be forgotten about. We'll finish up now. Lads, we've got 91 likes. You know, if anybody feeling generous there and wants to smash that like button before we go, we really appreciate it. Like I said, it doesn't cost that. And we don't get any gains from it. It just helps us grow our shows and reach a bigger audience. So if you, if you are in the, watching the show and you enjoy what we do, please hit the like button, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. And you won't miss another show from us again. Um, but we'll leave it there, lads. <coughs> It's been uh, the midweek fix. It's been international week. I hate international football. I just want Liverpool back, but we managed to scrape through it over an hour and 10 minutes nearly on that. So, um, Mick, thanks very much for coming on and joining us tonight. No problem at all, boys. Anytime. I'm slapping. No worries. Tell the folks where they can catch you just in case they don't know. So, on YouTube, the Copite Podcast, on Twitter, the Copite Off, and Copite Off on Instagram as well. Excellent. It's a really great channel. There's some good quality stuff on there. So if you don't subscribe, give the lads a follow and, and subscribe to their stuff. Uh, Chris, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Cheers, Rafa. No worries. You're on Grizz's internet tonight by the looks of it. And Yeah, it's bad tonight. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what's up. And Shawnee Lawson, pleasure as always. Cheers, Keith. Thanks for having us on. Pleasure, lads. All the best. No worries at all. So we'll we'll wrap it up. Um, this has been the midweek fix, and we'll see us all again. Oh well, Gav, I think will be back on Friday with a Friday forecast. Looking forward to in the more in depth to the the derby game. So there'll be some interesting stuff coming up. So um, be sure to tune into that. Um, and we'll bid you all good night. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Sports Social Podcast Network.